Latinos, are you ready? Yo, 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 Are you teasing? Are you teasing someone with your yo's? I'm maybe I'm running out of them. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's becoming such a thing. It's so much fun. Well, hi. It'll be on a shirt soon. Yo, what's up? Yo, 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 it's your girl. This is your podcast. It's just as much yours as it is ours. Isn't it? Right? It's everybody's mm-hmm. podcast. It's yeah, communal. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's communal. It's like the bathrooms at the tunnel where the guys and the girls used to share. We just were sharing everything. Oh, I used to love those. I know you used to love that shit, Frank. <laughs> yeah, I can see you liking that stuff. Um, that was my first time. I was like, nah, I think I'm going to hold it in. Okay, guys, it's, <laughs> it's the Latinos Out Loud podcast. Uh, in case you didn't know where you tuned into, we might have popped up. We might be on like one of those playlists. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So don't playlist yourself. Don't and, playlist uh, yourself. <laughs> let this rock out. Hi, it's your friend Rachel Laloka. What's up? Uh, this is your Danny Zuko of for, of the summer, <laughs> Jay Ferns. <laughs> summer loving. Had me a blast. <laughs> yo, yo, is your homeboy Frank Nibs from Uptown New York, baby. Hi. Uptown. Uptown, baby. Is Uptown as lit as I think it is, Frank? The summer is. We're at our peak. We get around, baby. Mm. The fire extinguishers are in full effect. (laughs) It's like every other block, Jamie, right? They're like all on. Yo, but it be getting so hot that I'm super tempted to like, as an adult, just Just go. Why don't Just you do go? It, man. Why don't well, you? Well, because I don't want to be, I don't know how drenched I'm going to be. Like, I can't, I can't. You might blow away. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, I kind of want to just do, like, I want to just go in for a little bit, but I don't know. It's so strong. Right. The That coming out of the fire hydrant that I don't know if I'm gauging it right. You know, I might just get splashed <laughs> completely. And then, and then I got to go to the bodega or the supermarket. <laughs> Fully, you know, looking like I just came out of the fucking the Congo Rapids. <laughs> Congo Rapids, 80s, Six Flags. Oh my god. The Congo Rapids. You know, like you always go when you go to a water park, but you know, you go to a, an amusement park that has a water ride, which is different than going to a water park. Mm. Right. Because you're like, look, I'm I'm dressed just to walk around, not to. But you know, you always think like I'm not gonna get that wet in this ride, and then you go and you get fucking drenched. That drenched, is such a good and, point. Yeah, you walk through the water park and now you can't go to roller coasters until you dry off, you know, and it takes like, you know, at least an hour. Why do they put the most drenchiest water ride in the dry side of the park? Jeez. <laughs> That's a great... And yeah. by the way, that is a Petri dish of all Petri dishes. Do you oh, know yeah. that, first of all, yeah. it's the dirty recycled water that's coming out of Congo Rapids, oh. okay? How many people, how much How, many, how much urine is in, in there? I don't know. <laughs> put, put a pH test and let me know, okay? Then, inside of the thing you're sitting like on wet seat you know that feeling when you sit on wet seat like like you sit in it and you like almost like curdle in it it's disgusting you know how many people farted in that seat in that water okay okay that's disgusting Look, I, I, um, when I went to Universal Studios one time, I went to the Jurassic Park ride, right? And I didn't know that that ride, at the time, I didn't know that that ride completely drenches you. Because it's it's a regular ride, you know, 
you see all the dinosaurs everything oh shit t-rex you know it's about to you know and then it opens up and you go straight down and the water and you just get completely drenched by water uh. and then you gotta go you know walk around and ride the movies looking like you just came out of like a tornado you know what i'm saying i hate the squishy sneakers I can't Ooh, stand that. So gross. Oh. Breaker, breaker, I mean, you know. But look, uh, we're not here to talk about amusement parks. We're here. We have another episode of our um, summer interview series. Of amusements, you know, yeah. right? We're yeah. still covering amusement. 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 So yeah. We're gonna we're here to amuse I'm here to amuse you. <laughs> what do I look like? I'm here to amuse you. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're not a, you know. Am I a fucking clown or something? <laughs> we promise you, you won't get wet. We promise you, you won't get wet by the end of the show. Or I you mean, might, I Jamie. Actually. I mean. Oh, yeah. Latinos out loud after dark sometimes rears its ugly head. And I don't know. One never knows the end. You know what I mean? So just stay tuned. <laughs> Rock out with your you know what out. You know what I mean? I. So um, enjoy this episode, enjoy the interview, and keep coming back for our summer interview series because we we doing this. Yep. We doing this all summer. Yep. For you. For you. Yep. And you. For you. And you. And you. And you. And you. And you. All right, y'all. Stay dry. All right, you guys. It is Latinos Out Loud Summer Interview Series, a.k.a. LOLSIS. I know it's an ugly-sounding acronym, but it works. Uh, LOLSIS is here, and this is the time of the show where we interview someone amazing. Mm. She's amazing. She's Dominican, which makes her even more amazing in my book. <laughs> you know her from Orange is the New Black as Blanca Flores. Please put your hands together for Laura Gomez. That's so Arsenio <laughs> Hall. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> it's some intro. <laughs> yeah, Rachel. She really makes pride. she takes pride in the intros. <laughs> I take pride in the intros. And you, by the way, you deserve a round of applause right now for all the technical work that you just put in to be on this podcast. We appreciate you, Laura Gomez. <laughs> Welcome to Latinos Out Loud, beautiful. Laura, Reina like, tried, like, three different headphones. Uh... <laughs> she went to Target and bought six pairs of She bought a new laptop for this interview. <laughs> I can't believe it. I do not need a round of, of applause. I need technological help from a Gen Z. Uh, Gen Z. Uh, urgently. Yeah. Or a round of applause for not giving up. <laughs> you didn't give up. You did not give Ooh, up. Oh, I love that. You didn't give up. And yes, the perseverance, we saw it and we knew it would happen. And here we are. Wow. Okay. Laura, where do we start? Okay. First of all, I'm going to fangirl right now. Mm. Oh, I loved your character on Orange. Oh, I loved her so. I can't believe. I mean,. We have questions about that. And then we got to talk about the new podcast and everything else that you're working on. And oh, my God. Okay, so I got to just be braggadocious right now. I originally (laughs) met this Diosa in person at the Dominican Film Festival three years ago. They held a very special event commemorating female Dominican filmmakers. Mm. Yeah. You were super prego. Yo, I was like a Macy's (laughs) balloon on Thanksgiving. Like people in the audience were like looking at my baby like miming and putting his hand through his, <laughs> the belly and not listening to me moderate the panel. 
panel. Um, but what a lovely panel it was. Catherine, Catherine Garcia was there. She was also a former guest on the Latinos Out Loud podcast. And now we have you, Laura, and you're a filmmaker, actress, and now podcaster. Congrats. Um, so yes, I'm excited to be a part of this group of people here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Podcaster on Sonoros. This is a Sonoros show. So yes. we family. So we're podcasting we family. Yeah. We are family, same network. Yeah. Familia. Familia. <laughs> well, before we get into your past, maybe let's kick it to the present. Tell us about the podcast. You have a co-host on there, and it sounds very Caribbean, which we're so excited about, because we hot right now, people. The Caribbean is hot right now. <laughs> it's so hot. And this is so the perfect space. First of all, Latinos Out Loud, LOL. I mean, come on. You kind of beat us on the name. You you have the <laughs> crown is yours. Well, uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, what you're yeah, talking yeah. about. <laughs> what? What a great name. Thank you. Um, it's interesting because we debated so much about our name. We are uh, Caribbean based. If, believe it or not, I've been in New York for 20 years, but the pandemic kind of took me <laughs> back to Santo Domingo. What? Mm, okay. Nice. Yeah. So New Yorker here. First, from the island, then New Yorker, back to the island. And I've been in Santo Domingo for the past 10 months. Wow. wow. And it's been so interesting, you guys. It's been a journey and kind of in that search for identity, first of all, because we were all kind of in that space, right, throughout the pandemic. But I was out of a, of a job. Of course, the show ended. And here I am, like, what's happening if I'm not acting? What? Who am I, basically, if mm. I'm not an actor? And who am I if I'm not in New York, which has been my city for 20 years? And so here I am back to the port of origin, searching for myself. Wow. And oh, I got the chills. so <laughs> mm. searching for the truth. And, and so, like you said, I have a friend, Pablo Lozano, who's a Dominican filmmaker. And what a character. You should have him over at some point anyway on his own because he is quite a force of nature. And we're such good friends. We've been creative partners for years. And here we are talking about different things. And I don't know, we talk about politics and existence and life. And, and it's like an interesting dynamic because he is, uh, it was a female, male Caribbean point of views. And we're also always checking on each other's blind spots or different references or so. And I said, you know, I was thinking about doing this podcast by myself, but I think there's something here about these two Caribbean people from different genders talking about these issues. And so we started doing the brainstorming sessions in Baraja Eso, which is a very Dominican term, <laughs> came to the mix. We wanted something very Caribbean and specifically Dominican, but I wanted it to be more universal. But Pablo, who's a character, is like, look, I said nombre, man. I'm like, Pablo, I don't know. I don't know that that's going to be understood. He's like, look, el que no lo entienda, que lo busque. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know what? We know, let's give the Caribbean a chance. Let's give people a chance to find it through us. Because Baraja is so, it, in, in English, I said, how do we explain it to an English speaking audience? Well, mostly, most of our episodes are in Spanish, but we have one episode per month in English. Mm. So I said, Baraja is so kind of means to change a subject or, you know, change the mentality. And I thought it kind of, 
it kind of takes you to evolving, mm. you know, on an idea. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we want to do. We want to think, talk about um, identity and, and process, both in life and professional and utterly about evolution and transformation. And so that's the genesis of it all. I, wow. Just from that converse, that conversation, you said I could already tell the dynamic you guys have. Uh, just from you oh. said, it's yeah. like oh. Kapai, you know, like this, you know, he's just like, well, why, you know, he's pushing like, oh back on God. you a little bit. You know what I mean? He is oh. such a character, and he is so funny. You know, so I'm more like the center, but he's a filmmaker too, so he's he is very good with producing instincts and whatnot. But there's just the dynamic of us as people. He is very out loud. <laughs> I love it. Love it. We need him on the show. Um, we'll get him on the show. Yep. You do. And he's, I'm more center. I'm more like focused and kind of, and Pablo's all over the place, even though he's so intelligent and our conversations are really deep. You know, he brings the funny. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And he makes me laugh. And we do have um, a great dynamic with our guests because of these uh, pairing also. It, and, and it has been very introspective. And we've had, Amazing guests, you guys. I mean, not like to brag, but honestly, I will. And let me just go. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, we want people to. This is (laughs) people gonna want to listen to this show. So let us know. I know from the get go, we got Grammy winner Nela Rojas from Venezuela. We had Raúl Castillo, who is an actor Ah. from Mexican American, who's now in Army of the Dead. You know, the highest grossest film on. Netflix. We've had um, a very dear friend of mine who's a trans woman from Argentina, and she talked to us about her journey from Argentina to being an addict and a prostitute to now being a trans activist in New York. Wow. You know, um, we've had um, Federica Arevalo, who has the account Verde is Better on Instagram about um, plant-based I'm forgetting mm. English, you guys. I'm sorry. Plant Alimentación. Okay, okay. en plantas. <laughs> mm. and, and so it's been... Oh, and Piper Kerman, who wrote the Memoirs of Orange is the New Black. Yes. Wow. Yes. And Angie Cruz, who wrote the novel Dominicana. Yes. 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 We know Watch Heights, baby. Watch Heights. We know yes. Angie. And, yes. And Kiani Antigua, who was a translator to Spanish of, of the novel. And so it's been... A whirlwind in just seven weeks that we've been airing, and it's it's been exciting to say the least. Have you picked up kind of you know being a podcast host? Was that something that you picked up naturally? Like was it something like first episode you were like, oh, I got you know I already got like good the hang question. of this? Or, yeah, or was it something that's gradual as you go along? Very good question. So this is a true story. I started in radio when I was 15 years old. Wow. I was not, you know, it was a whole different thing. I was just putting on music and telling people what it was. So, and I've done voiceovers for many, many years. So I'm comfortable in front of the microphone. (laughs) Now, the whole conversation with people and guiding this with not only one person, but, you know, basically is, is three of us. Yeah. That has been, it's been a learning curve Mm. Um, I knew I had to learn it quick. And so I'm also producing the show with Sonoro and and I'm sending, you know, editing notes. So I'm listening to all the episodes and having like storytelling in my mind. As to, so that has been um, a challenge. <laughs> mm. uh, but I, I, I knew it was one I was I was up to taking and, and it's been so much fun, actually. Uh, yeah. It sounds like a show, though. I'm sorry. It sounds like a show that you can get lost in the conversation, right? 
You could. Yeah. And you know, now you guys are doing this. It's three of you and me. So it's like four people. Yeah. And we're and we're Latinos. We're like, we are excited. <laughs> we want to talk when the other person. So I have to be like directing the conversation basically. Cause but but I, I'm very lucky to, that, that I have a very um, open-minded and very intelligent person next to me who is so willing to learn as well. And we're humble about the experience. Like we look, we don't know. We're very green. We're mm. just but we know we want to talk about these conversations with people that are very honest. Um, and, and basically also another thing that's happening is that because I am in this identity search and kind of looking into myself and, you know, qu- asking questions and Pablo is kind of on the same road. Um, we decided to be very transparent. So our pilot really, it's like a, we're making a confession mm. and we talk mm. about things that are super personal. Pablo talks about, you know, his past with drugs and alcohol. I talk about my past with like, oh, I wanted every man to save me, you know, mm. um, every, every relationship basically. And I had a relationship that um, ended like four years ago and it, it split me in 15. You know, I was like, wow. I didn't know what to do with myself. And, and so, but that, was part of the growth because I wrote a script from that, that we're both producing. And it's about a woman who doesn't want children, which is me. And what is that like when you're a Latina and you're expected, not only Latina, I mean, women in general in this society, but especially when you come from this type of mentality, like, what do you mean you want children as a woman? Mm. You're not, you're not going to be complete. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what what do you mean you're 40 and single? Like, aren't you alone? And yeah, I'm alone, but I'm not lonely as you might think. (laughs) I'm actually pretty happy. That's good. That's good. That's good. And it's nobody's business either. All right. (laughs) But we are, but you know what I decided? We decided both of us, let's talk about it because it's nobody's business, but I do get a lot of comments from people, especially women who tell me, thank you. You made me, you know, feel less alone. Mm. Um, because by saying I get so much pressure, I've, I have a friend who couldn't have children and she got asked all the time. She was married. So when are you going to have kids? It's the worst. Especially in the the worst. It's the worst. You don't know what the other person is going through. And no, that's not my case. My case is by choice, which is more puzzling for some mm. people. Yeah. Um, and I also found a lot of um, comments about that, like excited comments from women, like, thank you, because <laughs> it's my choice, you know? And and so we're talking about all these issues, issues that are very concerning in the Caribbean right now. Like our country is, Dominican Republic is not in a good place, honestly. I love my country, which is I why I criticize it. So I know, Tell no, us, no, put no. us on, please. We're I very, We're very concerned. Talk to we us. we have we're having issues with women's rights, you know, like with mm. abortion rights, but not about abortion being illegal. It's like exceptions to abortion where women can have an abortion even if they're they're gonna die. You know, Congress is not supporting that. And now, like two weeks ago, Congress voted to with some issues in terms of the LGBT community being, you know, that there's space for discrimination because Congress is not protecting them. And so we're talking about this. I'm talking about this. <laughs> I'm like, this is not right. And and I think that, um, you know, all these issues that in New York we take for granted because yeah. they're part of our everyday conversations mm-hmm. um, are not as much in Latin, in Latin America, which is why I'm also doing a lot of this in Spanish, you know? I thought about it because a lot of my audience is English speaking because of the show and whatnot. And I'm like, <gasps> funny enough, 
I have to go find this Spanish speaking audience now. Yeah. But yeah. I want it. Yeah. Yeah. Being that you're Dominican, okay, mm. what is it what is it that we're missing in our culture that we we can't can't move forward? Like everybody else? Issues? Yeah, when like, it comes to certain things like with the LGBT community, why yeah. are Dominicans so hesitant? Why are we so always, you know, pushing back? This is my personal opinion. I think we we had a, a we have a lot of preconceptions and conditioning that comes from religion, you know? Yeah. And not necessarily religion uh, as a spiritual search or whatever, religious groups or religious institution, you know? And it just passes on and not enough information. Mm -hmm. and because honestly, I think we're going backwards because we were so ahead just a decade ago. This was not so much of an issue. Right. Um, I, I know there are subjects that are controversial for some people, like abortion. It's not for me. I'm pro-choice. But, but I understand this is delicate. I, I do. I really do. So I want to put myself in the other person's shoes. However... I think that we need to have a conversation. I don't think this is like debatable when it comes to human rights. I think you can have your opinion, but when it comes to about, you know, issues, but when it comes to women's rights and LGBTQ rights, uh, it, it's like religion has to be aside from politics. It's just, it can't, mm -hmm. you know? And we do have that conditioning. I do find honestly also that on a personal level, most people don't really think that backwards. They're, they're more like open to, well, let me hear what you have to say. Mm -hmm. and, but collectively, there is an incidence on the mentality based on, on religious uh, groups and institutions, unfortunately. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. I don't know. DR still has that grip with when it comes to religion. I don't know what it is. Well, like we, it's. I don't know if it's embedded in us. I don't know what it is. It is embedded in us, but it's also there's big forces and interests, you know, and that's big leagues. But I think we do have to, as individuals, kind of come together, and it, which is why for me it's so important to have these conversations and and have them open, you know, right. so that it's an island. You know, Pablo and I talk about this a lot. Um, how an island is surrounded by water and for, I don't know, you come from abroad and you're a tourist and you think this is paradise, but if you're inside, it, it can be a prison, Oh, you know, oh, yeah. and um, you have nowhere to go and unless you're privileged enough to fly. But if you're trapped there, it could be a prison. And so the information uh, that we have as a society is limited, I think, and we have to have it more. That, that's my that's my take on it. <laughs> Lara, talking about prisons, let's go to... Oh. Hey, Going deep. Right. Orange is the new black, right? Wow, great yeah. segue. You oh. could, like, this is, I'm learning from Jamie. Jamie is talking a lot. Jamie's, I'm, I'm learning a lot. Jamie's yes. talking a lot. Good. We celebrate Lara, good segues here, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Being that, you know, it takes place in, in, in like a, a prison system, what did you yeah. learn on that show about the prison system? Because mm. me coming from Washington Heights, I have a lot of friends that ended up in the prison system. What did you learn from that show and being in that setting? Frank, so much. Um, first of all, one of the things that made the show so successful was precisely humanizing stories of people in prison. And even though it can seem like the setup is kind of stereotypical, and it is, because it's a prison and kind of, you know, dehumanizes everybody. Um, here we are telling these stories of women in a privatized system 
So one of the things, first of all, that we brought to the to the table was the conversation about the privatization of prisons. This is insane. I mean, mm. there are companies that are making money with people in prison, and there's a whole system set up for people of color specifically to be making the money. Because the as you know- The school to prison pipeline. What? absolutely true. And I think one of the things that this show did was like, these are things that I knew, these were terms that I knew from the, but it's, it made me understand what that meant. Because I don't think, you know, I lived in the South Bronx for a few years I... at the beginning of my- the South Bronx, the South South Bronx. Yes, the South Bronx. <laughs> and it was home for a few years when I moved to New York. Um, and I didn't know New York much. I mean, for me, New York was New York. I was excited no matter what. And it doesn't matter where I was. I lived in Jamaica, Queens. I lived everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, and what the South Bronx taught me so much because I specifically lived in a hot area. I mean, I mean, hot, like it was caliente, kind of caliente. caliente. Yes, that's what I mean. Got it. And with bad reputation and whatnot. And at the beginning, I had friends who were worried about my safety. Like, uh, how do you feel about that area. I'm like, you know, you know what I see? A lot of working people, hmm. a lot of working people who come home late from a long night at work. Some kids that have nowhere to go to hmm. play basketball and no healthy food. Hmm. And I think even the train system is racist because I've come on the train after mm-hmm. school. I, I was <laughs> I was studying acting and I it, my classes were insane and I would come at one in the morning and the train would stop at 149th and Grand Concourse. Ooh. Okay. And here we are. I had one more stop and I had to take the bus. It's one in the morning. I saw nurses. I saw people coming from, you know, their jobs, uh, security jobs, and they had to go all the way 40 stops later. Wow. At one in the morning. So I thought, the train system's racist. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I learned um, so much about those times. And I saw no basketball courts in my area. So I I, I was very observant of these things. Mm. Like, where do these kids go? What what are you doing? You are making a school, you know, to prison pipeline. That's what you're doing. There is no space to hang out except, you know, the guy with the drugs. Because what are these? There's no library over there. I'm like, there's no space. And there was so many kids that I met that were phenomenal kids, good kids. Um, one of I was my neighbor and Shaquille was this 13-year-old kid who would always open the door for me. He didn't talk much. His mother was um, a crack addict. And, I, you know, but wow. not a bad person. Right. And that's another stereotype that I, I got that Orange did very well, which to humanize that, which I had already seen. Because we think of these people as dangerous. But the truth is they're dangerous to themselves, mm-hmm. right? Because they're, they're sick and, and not well and not getting the help that they need from the government or education. And so I was always worried about Shaquille. I don't know what happened to him, but I'm like, what are his choices? And I think that going back to your question is one of the things that the show did so well. It was to educate us on a collective, in a collective way. And I believe so much in the power of storytelling because these things that I saw, I'm sure you've seen, but when we see them portrayed on TV or you read a book about it or you hear music about it, there's just an emotional connection that makes you feel this could be my kid. Mm -hmm. 
you know, this could be me, this could be my cousin. And it kind of brings us together. And I think that's what the show did so well. I, I also want to piggyback off of that, yeah. Laura, and say that what I think the show also did so well is bring the topic of immigration to the forefront. Oh. And specifically yeah. your character. I view Mio Santo. I'm going to try to get through this. But you know, you guys, there are certain shows and certain moments of those shows that stay in your brain, in your heart, in your soul. And one mm. of those moments... Te lo juro por mi madre is when Blanca Flores finally gets her day to escape, to get out of prison. And, and she's going to meet the love of her life on the other side. Hi, Bobby. <laughs> the other side is wait like her, her whole life is waiting for her outside of the doors of that prison. And what happens when she gets out? Ice grabs her mm. and takes her. Mm. And she's right back in the system. And as a, as a viewer, the Antre Laura, that is such a, a dagger. Oh, a dagger. You just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> oh, it was a dagger in my soul because, first of all, you as an actress portrayed such a lovely and multi-dimensional character. This girl, this character was standing on top of tables in the cafeteria and peeing in buckets and doing all and doing all types of disgusting shit. I want to I want to talk about your eyebrows on the show. Like I want to talk about everything but that moment so many things so many things Laura perdóname pero no no I'm excited you have me wait you gave me goosebumps with this description sorry I I, I, I have to just tell you that that was one of the moments oh. that stayed with me and I saw that, that mm. years ago but it's still so fresh because we know that story the immigration story mm. and maybe not the story yeah. of like someone getting out of prison and getting right into an ice bus but we know the story yeah. of of plight and the journey of our grandparents and our parents and some of us, mm -hmm. our own journeys, you know, who weren't born in this yeah. country. So shout out to Orange is the New Black for educating everybody about what we see all the fucking time. All right. Mm -hmm. But I got mm. so many comments about that storyline. Let me tell you. And for me, it was such a surprise because I never expected my character to grow in such a way. Um, you know, I had a little... Role. I had a recurring role and I was supposed to be in a few episodes at the beginning. I had no idea in my <laughs> entire <laughs> life that I would end up being such a key player in that storyline. And I got a lot of comments from people who loved it just like you did, just because, you know, it's so powerful. Um, Blanca grew on people also. And it taught me for sure not to judge a book by its cover mm. because I personally thought, okay, um, She's a bit crazy. I, I was told at the beginning, she might not be as crazy as you think, but that was day one, I was told that. But we don't know what's going to happen. So just, can you stay in the middle? I'm like, okay, okay whatever that means. Mm. Um, and then I realized, and I spoke about this with Piper Kerman in my podcast. Um, this is a character who probably had to do this to survive. She's a survivor, you know? And pretending to be crazy is a way to survive in prison. Yeah. Um, so you're not abused. Because remember when those guards were touching women and she would put uh, tuna fish oil uh, so that she would smell bad. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm the Che Guevara de la, de la That's right. That's right. <laughs> Ooh, that was deep. Um, and, and it was about surviving and, and, and that's why she was punished on that table. But I do remember that scene when I have to go on the table and I 
reading it, that that was very emotional for everybody. Everybody was texting each other. Did you read the episode? Because Pusey is, you know, that's the episode when Pusey dies and the circumstances around it. And when I go on the table um, before that happens is to stand for someone else. It wasn't even for me. It was because that, that abuser, Piscatella. And, and so to hear you say that is, is very, you know, it touches my heart because yes, it, it made that story important for us who know it indirectly somehow. We may not have relatives in an ICE center, but I did get a lot of comments on my Instagram about people who said, you know, I have family that are in those circumstances. I've been in those circumstances. And other people who said, thank you for educating me about it. I had no idea this was happening. Mm. And this wasn't just happening during Trump, guys. This, it, it, it made it worse. But this, was, this has been happening since 2001. Mm. That's when ICE was created. Wow. And so uh, I want to shout out to Freedom for Immigrants because it's an organization that we mentioned in the show, which is the organization that tries to help Maritza. It's the organization that helps me and helps Blanca and provides mm. her with a lawyer. And they recently won uh, a case against ICE because, and let me tell you a story, a behind-the-scenes story. Ay. Ooh, tell us. Tell us. Dime. When Orange aired, we mentioned this organization in the, in the storyline about the, the, the hotline that they have for immigrants to call because they don't give them access to lawyers, as you saw in my story with Maritza, right? And so they're really in, in limbo, worse than a prison, like Blanca says. And so when the show aired, ICE removed that hotline because it was mentioned in the show. They removed it and Freedom for Immigrants took them to court. What? To fight for that hotline so that the immigrants could have a place to call if they were taken by ICE. And just like two weeks ago, they won. Wow. And the hotlines remain. Wow. Frank, are you hearing this? This is is on some meta shit because this is now Hollywood trying to use themselves as a conduit for good information for the good of our people and the fucking government trying to block that information through Hollywood? Oh, there's so many interferences on this call. Oh, my God. And they won. Amazing. They won. They won. won. We got to shout. What is the organization again? It's called Freedom for Immigrants. Freedom for Immigrants. Yeah, I believe dot org. And I believe they are on Instagram as Migrant Freedom. And or yeah, Migrant Freedom, I believe. And it's really an organization that educated me a lot because I they gave us a lot of info and direct access to them, you know, to the, the director of the organization. And um, that that season was intense, I have to say. I, it was never as intense for me because my character was, for me, mostly fun. But those last two seasons, um, it was a little bit draining. It was too much information and everything was so raw and so real and the news were so in front of our faces. Um, and I just want to say it's still happening. So let's not pretend, you know, think Fact. that just because we're not seeing it as much, Fact. it's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can you... <laughs> I don't know. I... Woo, it's, a, it's, a, it's a heavy topic Eesh. and the show, the show did so much. And I want to shout the show out for one more thing. Is for elevating such amazing BIPOC talent. Holy yes. 
shit. Like, we needed to see these faces and to hear some of the stories of, you know, what came right before Orange, you know, some of these stories, like, um, I'm not going to get her name right, but Crazy Eyes. Shit. Oh, Uzo Aduba. Thank you. Yes, of course. I heard her on a podcast. Um, I think it was Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. She did Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR. And she shared that before she got cast for the role, first of all, she, I think <laughs> I think she said she auditioned for the track girl's role. for the, she And she got cast as Crazy Eyes. But right before she got cast, she was going to quit showbiz. She was ready to wow. throw in the towel. And she was like, fuck this shit. Well, she didn't say this word. She's a very eloquent speaker. I am not. Um, and she, and then she got the phone call that changed her life. You know? Yeah, yeah. For for the record, so was I. I had already been to Spain to consider moving. I don't know that I was ready to quit the business, but I was certainly ready to change track. You know, uh, and, and I think that's something that happens to actors a lot. I I, I thought about it even after the pandemic. And what am I doing? <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? I've suffered. You suffer so much, but you know, at the end of the day, yes. It's true. And that was one of the stories. I remember also Uzo saying that someone congratulated her for her web series when she booked it. Because we we auditioned for a new platform. You remember, guys, Netflix was a platform where we, you would rent DVDs that were sent <laughs> yes. home. Yeah, yo. Yeah. That's yeah, what yo. Netflix was. I was a member, you know, I would get my DVDs. And House of Cards was the first show. And then Orange was the second show that they launched and they kind of together mm-hmm. and orange was the one who was, which was really a boom. And like yeah. you said, I honestly believe it was mostly because of this diverse cast. Mm. It's like the, all these women and stories and, and we challenge the industry as well, because, you know, they will tell you women don't sell. And here comes this show. Boom. Prove them boom. so wrong. <laughs> Pussy power. so much pussy power it was really amazing (laughs) created by a woman we had so many women behind behind the scenes which leveled the field you know because um we had men as well but this was a women-led show and not for nothing but i'm just gonna say that when the whole me too thing came there was nothing on us nothing (laughs) it was it was even you know if power was even out um there was no issues of abuse uh, and, and or uh, sexual harassment in our set. If it's just one gender and you're writing about women, and you have no women in the writing room. It's like, what are you doing? If you're writing about black people and you're all a white group of people, what are you doing? You know, mm. how do you if, if it's a Dominican story, I'm not even saying that you have to be from a certain place. I don't even believe that if you're a storyteller you, and you have talent. Great. But usually people go to the source. You need mm. authenticity and truth. And and that's why I think diversity just makes the experience richer, you know? So yes, uh, we did get things done. And it was it was a wonderful experience because it's not as often that you get a set that is all women. Um, and men I are the minority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It was fun. Sadly, we have to wrap this interview. But I know. I, 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 guys, I, we got to respect Laura's time. And Conchola. what is this, the good. infinite Conchola. podcast? Like, we have to put an end to it. And all good things come to an end. I will say that. Um, Laura, <laughs> tell everybody where they can catch the podcast. We know it's on Sonoro. It's on all platforms. Baraja Eso, but I'm doing your job for you. Um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find <laughs> you and everything else you're working on? 
Okay, so Baraja is, so first of all, Baraja is a podcast, it's on Instagram, you can follow it there, you can follow me, Miss Laura Gomez, MS Laura Gomez, um, and you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you get your podcasts. Um, like you said, a part of the Sonoro Network, we're family, mm-hmm. and I'm super excited because we have a wonderful lineup, and now I have three more guests ah! to bring over. <laughs> the other side. I feel um, like you brought a little bit of your show to this show, right? I yes. feel like now we, we got a little flavor of what your show is. I love that. Oh, except that Spotlight was on me and next time will be on you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but thank you so much. This was, can we tell the, the your, you know, audience, this was very um, impromptu. Yeah. It was kind of like, are you, yeah. we're closing for the summer, but if you're available tonight, I'm like, Seize the moment. Yes. Let's do it. Um, so I'm super so grateful. It was like, what you super doing tonight? Grateful. All right, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and your energy is amazing. Um, I, I feel very welcome. I, I felt very welcome today. And thank you for having me. Thank so you much. for everything you. that you're doing for our people. You out there breaking barriers. Miha, hello. Ah! You're doing it. And we're watching you and we're supporting you from afar. And we hope to see you. you. Next time you're in New York, hit us up. We'll do a Heights yes. night or something. We'll figure it oh. out. Better all the luck and good vibes to you and all your endeavors. And please come back. Check in with us. You know, I will. I will. I, I'm, I'm planning to direct this film that I wrote. Dale. about this woman who Boeta. doesn't want children and is submitting oh, yeah. it. So hopefully I'll come back to promote that yeah. at some point. <laughs> that sounds incredible. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for everything. Thank One you. time for Laura Gomez, people. Come on! <laughs> come on! Yeah. <laughs> what a great energy. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Laura. Thank that you, was Laura. amazing. Oh, my God. Thank you. Could not have asked to end this season any more perfectly. What an inspiration. Thank you so wow. much. <laughs> And I'm for so squeezing grateful. us in. I and for doing everything you did with the technical stuff. Gracias, un montón. <laughs> Gracias a ustedes. Besos grandes. <laughs>